This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by Hamilton, a value-add investment and development firm in Nashville, Tennessee, focused on bringing passive real estate investment opportunities directly to your inbox. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com invest to sign up for upcoming investment opportunities. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Tyler Cobble, your host here for the show. And today, I'm really excited to be having our conversation about how residential and commercial real estate interact and how they can positively impact each other. You know, on this show, we have talked about residential versus commercial real estate. What are the differences between the two? Uh, But really excited to be diving into this with Julia Hurley out of Knoxville, Tennessee. She is a state politician turned realtor with one of the top groups in Knoxville. I actually met her at the height of the pandemic because she is the queen of networking. Uh, through a developer out of Austin, Texas, of all places, which is funny. Uh, so she's got a massive TikTok following. Maybe we should touch on that a little bit because I, uh, I have a little bit of an interest in TikTok. Uh, she's got her own podcast called Connect the Knox, and she's working on her first book, uh, which you'll, you'll definitely have to tell us about too. But Julia, that was a very brief introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Perfect introduction. Could not have made it better myself. Tenure, retired politician, gave it a decade, ousted that. We're at eight years in residential real estate, and I've been very blessed to travel the entire country on several occasions, coaching real estate agents and residential real estate, how to bring themselves from a realtor to an actual business owner and an investment owner. So we did that for a while, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and the only way for me to make those same connections were one-on-one, very limited interactions, So I was taking my top investors and they were taking me with them to meetings, which is how I met you, which is very interesting. And then I met that investor in Austin at a private dinner while I was coaching and someone else invited me to something. So it's always a networking opportunity uh, and always keeping people in mind for that. So then I named my podcast Connect the Knocks, like Connect the Dots, because I'm a super connector and that's really and truly my superpower. So I love to connect people And through all of that experience, I decided that it was time to write a book on advice for really and truly young women on how to become a little more successful a little faster. So I'm 41. This success has just been very recent in my long life I've lived here, but barely eight years of success. And it's been true success. So compounding success, but it's taken years to build. So writing that book, it's called Unauthorized Success and talking uh, about how to just build wealth and build extreme success quicker for younger women. So that'll be available in April, but you can visit unauthorizedsuccess.com to pre-order. I love it. That's, uh, you know, coming from the commercial side of things, we don't have enough female women representation in this industry. And so, uh, you know, that's something that we've talked about quite a bit here is how can we get more women interested in commercial real estate? You know, we, we try to be very intentional about hiring and coaching and mentoring women in commercial real estate. And it just, it's, it's tough. I don't know how to find them. So hopefully your book inspires them to, to, to reach out and, and get involved in this industry. And you know, the other thing that you said thing to talk about, a totally that's a whole different podcast conversation. Oh yeah. But the book is is exactly about the way that women and men's brains work and communicate differently in business versus personal. Business is business. And a lot of real estate is genuinely, does this number work for me? Yes, no. If no, move on. If yes, let's go. And it's very clear cut, black and white. It's got to work at the end of the day. There's no, do I love it? That those kinds of conversations don't exist. So 
there's a very disconnect in the conversational aspect between women and men, especially on the commercial real estate side. So that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did one residential deal in my entire, I mean, I've developed residential, but I will not sell it. I, uh, it was when I was Worry working, out, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <clears throat> it was, it was crazy. It was the, uh, the first job that I ever had, I was working for a developer as the in-house, you know, commercial agent for their, for their development firm. And we had an in-house residential agent as well, because we were building, by the time I left, we had about a thousand townhomes, either under construction and permitting or in planning. And so we had a lot of units to sell. So it made sense to have an in-house agent. And he decided he was going to move out to California. Well, they looked at me and they go, you've got a license, you know how to market, you go sell this. And it was a $1.2 million listing. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. That sounds like a great commission. After hosting two open houses, I was like, you know what? I'm never doing this again. I don't understand <laughs> how residential works compared to commercial. Like I just, I grew up in the, you know, the numbers work or they don't side of the business. And, you know, I had people coming in going, ah, you know, I just can't see my kids growing up in a house with a kitchen painted this color. And it was like the most common color to paint a kitchen, you know, in 2013. And uh, I was like, what, what color do you want? I will paint it myself. We'll have it painted tomorrow. What do you want? No, uh, we're just, we're not even going to put an offer in. Oh my gosh. It's a totally different world. Yeah. Everything's emotional. Everything with residential real estate's emotional. And just being able to navigate those waters. We are very underpaid uh, for our positioning in this market. So we're very underpaid therapists, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's Hey, I feel the same way sometimes, especially on the tenant rep side of commercial real estate. You are basically okay. a therapist. Um, well, so today we're talking about how residential real estate and commercial real estate really interact. And I think, you know, since I've spent some time in Knoxville, let's, let's kind of start there because sure. it's, a, it's a very interesting market. I mean, you can tell at one point, probably 50, 60 years ago, downtown was a pretty great place to, to live, work, and play. And then, of course, we had the suburbanization of America, and everybody started moving out to the suburbs. And it, it, it's, it's interesting because unless you were a student at the University of Tennessee, you didn't live downtown because that's where the campus was. And now it seems to be undergoing this revitalization. Why do you think people are wanting to move closer to downtown now? That's a great question. I think that a lot of that attribute, um, it's fluctuated. So in the last 60 years, I would say that downtown Knoxville's had 20 year up, 20 year down, 20 year up, 20 year down. And we're starting to see an up cycle on that. And you can actually follow that depending on who is locally, and I'm going to put that in quotations, in, in political power. And you can kind of follow those families along the line of who is donating, developing, and controlling the utilities, the infrastructure, what that's going to look like. So I would say it was about 30 years ago, there was a group that came in here out of New York City that started buying up large chunks of the downtown area. And I lived in downtown Knoxville in a little apartment during college um, and also moved back down there, I guess it was about 10 years ago. So I've seen the upswing in, and the downswing in 20 years. I've, I've watched it happen. So I think what happened is those people in New York finally started to pull their money together. And then they started to take things like the downtown businesses and turn them into condos. They started redoing the sidewalks at their cost, at their cost, putting in underground utilities, turning it into free parking. And these were things that they knew that these assets weren't going to grow if they didn't put the money up. The politicians weren't going to do it. It's been, you know, 30 years. They obviously are not going to give them the money. So these private business owners started coming in with their own money, 
and developing downtown Knoxville. So downtown Knoxville is now extremely attractive. And you can thank, you know, Randy Boyd for a lot of that project and work. He and his family have opened multiple restaurants and businesses in downtown Knoxville at their own family expense. So almost at, you know, during the first times that they had opened their first businesses down that way, nobody would live there. Nobody would go there. My condo, I bought it for 56,000, sold it for 137,000. And that was 10 years ago. You know, that same condo now just resold for, I think, seven fifteen, seven hundred and fifteen thousand dollars That's so, crazy. It, well, it is crazy because it's Knoxville. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but saying that, you know, Randy was given the opportunity to purchase the Tennessee Smokies. And then it's always been his dream to have them back in downtown Knoxville because that was his passion. So he's bringing that back into downtown Knoxville. And once that project was announced a few years back, I think it was, now we're looking at about five years back where he announced the wish for that project and it has gone through all the hoops that has attracted a lot of other out of state investors to come in and profitize downtown Knoxville. So it's more attractive. They're building and renovating condos. I mean, John um, took over, uh, this was about eight years ago. John took over the John H Daniels building and named it the Daniel put in underground utilities, his own sidewalks, revamped the entire thing, was just basically leasing these condos out when no one wanted to be there and was investing personal money. So that's what's brought that in, is big investors bringing in the money. Now we're starting to see some congruency with the government, the local government going, oh, okay, well, people wanna be here, we should help. So now the conversation about changing transportation, homeless situations, hotels versus Airbnbs, uh, Visit Knoxville is really involved in the growth process of this. But again, it all came from private money in the beginning. That's right. I mean, it's it's uh, it's almost on the private developers to take that initial risk to show, hey, people do want this. We should be providing it as a community um, so that people can really enjoy the city to its fullest extent. You know, back um, again, this was you know pre-World War II, cities, people lived downtown, right? I know there were a lot of people that lived, you know, way out in the country. Uh, but if you lived in the city, you lived basically downtown and you could walk to almost all of everything, right? You could walk to the butcher shop, you go get your bread, you go to the grocery store, you know, you, you could go shopping, whatever you needed. And it was within a good distance from your home. And it, it almost seems like it seems like we're starting to see uh, the roles reverse because we got away from that. You got into these suburban um, single-use neighborhoods, right? It was just single-family homes. You had no commercial whatsoever. People are kind of flocking back to that. Can you walk us through how you see residential and commercial real estate interacting together uh, moving forward? Yeah, it needs to move forward. So that's that's the number one issue, right? It's, it's just kind of railroaded. It's stuck. So I remember stories that my mom told me in, in downtown Knoxville about the L&N uh, train station. So the L&N is still in the corner. It's still being used today. It's a fantastic building and Knoxville has done a very good job of preserving that history and making it useful so you can see and feel the concept of what it used to be. But my mom used to tell me stories about jumping on the passenger train here in downtown Lenore City, which we have a really great rail system here that's now being unused. But you could just go right into downtown Knoxville, get everything that you needed, get back on the train and come home to the rural communities. So that lack of transportation 
has been turned into a conversation about, and I'm going to put this in quotations again, freedom. So it's like, well, if you live out in the rural community, you have freedom because you're in your car and your car is your space and you can go wherever you want to go. And I think that that was the time that road trips were really important and families were all going across the country to all of doing their own thing when cars became very readily affordable and available after uh, after the 50s and 60s. So I think that that culmination of the boom in the auto industry really caused the residential boom for rural community growth. So those opportunities tied in together. Now, what we're seeing is a reversal of that, but not fast enough. What we're seeing is this generation. So that was the boomer generation. They wanted freedom. They wanted to be out on their own. They wanted growth. They wanted to take their family on drivable vacations. They wanted to buy big houses at the lake. You know, we're starting to see a reversal of that. The next generation, Gen Z, they are not like that at all. They want convenience. They want ease of use. They want to enjoy their time in... I would say micro spurts would be a good way to put it. So if they want to travel, they want to travel somewhere quickly. They want to get things done quickly and get back to doing whatever they were doing personally. And what we're seeing slowly, and I mean slowly, is especially in Knox County, we've got a mayor now who has been working on this project for four years. The zoning codes have not been changed in Knox County for 25 years. So Hardin Valley is a good example of this. If anybody's ever visited Hardin Valley, which is just outside of Farragut, it was completely created to alleviate some of the stress on the roads from Oak Ridge, Farragut, which is Oak Ridge Highway, which is also Pellissippi Parkway. Don't ask. (laughs) That's what it is. And it was completely developed for what you would basically call subdivision pop-up Knox box houses and a school. So to relieve some of that school traffic, school resistance, well, what it did was create more because there's no commercial real estate involvement. So what we have are anywhere between, I would say, 22 and 27, either unfinished or finished subdivisions, single family residences, no sidewalks, no roundabouts, no bridges to and from the schools, no easy, easy covered anything to and from the schools, no residential real estate you do not have to get in your car and drive to. So no matter what we thought we were alleviating, we created more of a problem because the zoning regulations for Knox County as a whole are single family residential only. End of story. So the mess that we're trying to clean up is the mess we're still creating. So the Knox County mayor, Glenn Jacobs, has recognized this as several previous mayors did, just didn't get this pushed through. And he has come up with a new plan to incorporate these two things. So and a good example of this incorporation would be North Shore Town Center off of North Shore Exit in Knoxville, where it used to be a farm owned by the Regus family. So again, if you see the big Regus sign in downtown Knoxville, that was the Regus farm. And they sold that out to a developer who put a, to a Target in there, a bank. So they've got a grocery store, a super Target, a bank, several small restaurants, uh, nail salons, hair salons, And attached to that is a massive roundabout of walkability to an entire extra area of townhomes, condominiums, and single-family residences, all connected by sidewalks and other restaurants, a dentist's office, uh, a medical office. All of these things are within a walking distance to 400 residential units. So 400 cars are off the highway, off of the back roads. They can literally pop over to this shopping center and pop back to their residence. If we don't start to see commercial and residential combining like this, the influx of people that we are creating in the state of Tennessee with our opportunities of a no income tax state, a no haul income tax state, low retirement taxes, 
we're going to find our infrastructure will not be able to handle this influx. So we need to do something. The marriage of commercial real estate with residential real estate is necessary to maintain growth and maintain a lower tax base, keeping our infrastructure without having to retax it sooner. That's just my opinion of it. I, I think that that's a big opinion in the state of Tennessee as well for many politicians. I know Knox County is working on that, and I know Nashville is also working on that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and it's not just a problem in Knoxville or in Tennessee. You know, we see this almost all across America where we've gotten far too dependent on cars. And if you want to just make a quick five-minute trip, you have to get, on, get in your car, take up space on the road, and it creates traffic. Right. Whereas these mixed use communities, if you live in a townhome behind a shopping center, you'll just walk. Right. I mean, there are many, many studies that show that if something is within a half mile radius of your house, the chances are extremely good that you're just going to walk instead of getting in your car. And that solves a lot of issues. You know, we had a project here in Nashville uh, that was completed many years ago called the Virtus in Green Hills. And this is a suburb of Nashville, probably 10 minutes south of downtown. Very nice suburb. I grew up not too far from there. and But it's a shopping district. And I think the tallest building in the core of it, I know that there was a, there was a, um, some senior housing um, on, the, on the periphery. But in the core, it was like three or four stories. You know, it really wasn't tall. And this developer came in, Southern Land, and they wanted to build a 20-something story tower. They ended up settling on 16 stories. But the biggest kickback from the neighborhood was the amount of traffic that that would generate. And if you go over there now, you actually see people walking around there, which you never saw before because it was so car dependent. But, you know, a lot of people that live in those towers, they can walk literally across the street to Trader Joe's. You're not going to get in your car to go across the street to Trader Joe's. Right. And so you're, you're taking those trips off the road, which just makes the, the drive, the commute, whatever, so much more pleasant for, for so many people. So I agree with you. I think mixed use is is certainly the the future and it's and it's really just the right thing to do for our land right it is the highest and best use it is the and highest 100% correct what we're starting to see unfortunately are local politicians not understanding that this is is the way to go and we get that same pushback here we have so many people who live in a town that will come to county commission meetings or come to city council meetings pitchforks ready to go without doing one bit of research saying i don't want any more traffic i don't want more school kids more school traffic this is exhausting there's too many people on the road just build one acre uh, residential housing make it make it go to one acre per house and it'll slow this down it'll make it worse when you have five people living in a house you got five six cars every single one of those people now has to get in a car and go somewhere when i lived in downtown knox my battery my car went dead <laughs> <laughs> I just, just I never used it my car for so long I didn't have to can Those you can you elaborate that... yeah I was gonna say just just elaborate further on that because it, it, it's almost counterintuitive to think that high density housing uh, is not going to create more traffic but can you talk about why if you're doing these one acre lots because there are plenty of places in Nashville where the council members don't want any higher density even though there are so many problems transit affordability uh, attainability, whatever you want to name it, that that higher density solves. Why do you think people think that just having higher density actually creates that the bigger traffic patterns? 
Well, it's because that's what they've been led to believe. And we have to really look at a lot of factors in this. I'm going to go back to the generational issue that we are having. And I mean, it is a massive issue. You've got boomers and everybody else. And I mean, every other generation, I am a zennial, which is Gen X kind of millennial. And you've got, so you got Gen X, millennial, Gen Z, and whoever these, the new younger generation is, and I don't even know what they've been named. That's four generations and the boomers. The boomers still outnumber these generations and voters two to one. Two to one in politicians, two to one. So you have these four generations saying, we need this for our future. And you have this generation saying, but I know best. This generation was led to believe that larger houses, your freedom in your car, larger land, that is a vision of success. And they must maintain that and have that. And they have been led to believe their entire adult lives in leadership, in marketing, in choices that have been given to them, choices that have been taken away from them, that the only freedom they have is that plot of land on that one acre and their vehicle. And they can just do whatever they want to do with that. Instead of realizing that there are four generations of people below them begging them to see what they actually need for the future. And it's not a lack of trying on both sides. It's not a lack of trying. It's just a sheer lack of the actual understanding that what worked for you when you were in your 30s and 40s don't work for us now. And it's not going to work for the next generation either. And if we don't start building and maintaining the correct infrastructure, we will not have an infrastructure that's affordable. And in the state of Tennessee, whether we want to believe it or not, we will have to increase our taxes to pay for what we currently have to maintain. So that maintenance of effort is law. The maintenance of effort for education and roads is law. So 82 cents of every dollar goes to one of those two things, if not both. And if you continue to wear out our infrastructure without bringing in more tax dollars, which means more density, the taxes have to increase to pay for that 82 cents on the dollar. So six of one half dozen the other. You bring in the density and you keep the tax base calm or you keep your one house per acre and you raise the taxes. Either way, those taxes have to be paid. So the smart move is higher density housing. Yeah, another point on that too, that I feel like most people don't take into account is the strain on infrastructure that urban sprawl actually causes. Because if you think about it, you know, if you've got a 100 unit tower downtown, you know, it's right in the middle of all the infrastructure, right? Or at least the core infrastructure for a city. But if you do a 100-unit suburban neighborhood on 100 acres outside of town, you're going to have to go, what, 20 minutes probably to get to that, which is 20 minutes of running water, 20 minutes of running sewer, 20 minutes of getting electric out there. The strain that it puts on uh, the city and the tax base to actually maintain that is far greater than the density downtown. So there's a lot of benefits, uh, not just in traffic, but also in your tax basis and your maintenance costs and, and just survivability uh, of a city when it comes to that. Why do you think it's so important that, that neighborhoods and communities maintain a, a balanced mix of both residential and commercial real estate? That's a great question. It is important. Not everybody wants to live in a townhome. Not everybody wants to share a wall with somebody and you have to respect that. I mean, again, you've got four generations saying, I respect you. I hear you we can help you with this too. And this generation saying my way or no way at all. That's kind of where we're at. The conversation in the middle is I, I 
there's a lot of benefits to this. I personally have seen, especially in the North Shore, North Shore Town Center, where you have aging elderly boomers who either no longer have kids in the state that can help them take care of themselves or aren't ready for a retirement home, but don't need a 6,000 square foot house on the lake anymore. So they're selling their lakes and they're trying to downsize. And then you've got somebody that lives right next door to them who just had newborn kids. So you've got a very young couple working from home, newborn babies, and then an elderly person, maybe in their early 70s, living next door in a one-level townhome. And honestly, that interaction keeps that person younger, and this person learns a lot. You would be very remiss to not think about the opportunity for generational knowledge to be passed down when you incorporate all age groups into a town center because they're going to congregate in one space. They have one open gym area, a private swimming pool, all the things that they need, and they're gonna see each other inside of that community at all times. So being able to offer that intimacy and generational knowledge is very important to the success in the future of all young generations. Not to mention the fact that if you want your own single family residence, we could absolutely 100% put single family residences in and around but still connect that to the town center with sidewalks and have your ability to have your half an acre or a third of an acre or whatever it is you need, possibly in a smaller home, but the privacy of your own lot of land to play with, but you don't need to be 25 minutes away from a grocery store. That's just, that's not an acceptable conversation anymore. You don't need to be driving 20 minutes to go get groceries or get a prescription filled there's a possibility that you could take your golf cart from your house onto these sidewalks, go to the target, get everything you need and go right back home. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, it, it, it keeps everything so much more accessible for the aging population, right? I mean, that is a trend that we're certainly starting to see where, uh, you know, boomers are, are selling their homes in the suburbs. They're moving closer to downtown because they can walk to their favorite restaurants. They can walk to go shopping. They can walk to get their prescriptions filled and there are a lot of health benefits to that too, right? I mean, if you're if you're walking all, you know, I mean, we we could go on a whole other tangent about how unhealthy America is and how a lot of that actually has to do with sitting in our cars all day and not using our legs to get around. Um, but it, it it's uh, it, there are so many benefits to this mixed mixed housing, mixed you know real estate, uh, mixed use, all of that kind of stuff that that just makes so much sense. How do you think that? having those commercial real estate amenities nearby a neighborhood or within a neighborhood impacts values for both the commercial real estate and for the residential pieces. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. I don't know if you've read this. I'm sure you have actually. I'm positive you have. You're like one of the best commercial realtors I know. So I know you read the Starbucks study. Anytime there's a Starbucks within five miles of your home, your home automatically increases 10% value. That's an automatic increase study since Starbucks is open. It is that simple. When you start bringing in high quality commercial, your residential is automatically valued at more because it's ease of use to that significant commercial entity. A target, good Lord, you get a target and you just, you just hit it. You've hit it hard in America. So, you know, it's just like, I got a Starbucks and a target, 25% increase in value. So (laughs) very quickly doing that, I would say that something that um, that I could actually say is a concern. And I do agree with the boomers on this, this one thing so far, I'm very excited that we found some agreement is apartment complexes. We are starting to see that, you know, the government, the HUD gave a 1%, what was it? 1% 17 year loan to commercial investors to come in. 
and start building multifamily apartment complexes. They're popping up everywhere. They're just apartment complexes. They offer no mixed use. They offer no sidewalks. They are not connected to schools. So everything that everybody, the biggest fear that everybody had, if you're creating more traffic, they're actually creating more traffic. So that HUD 1% loan, while I appreciate their ability for what we weren't going to talk about, affordable housing is actually causing a crisis for the future. Right. So for the next 20 years, they're going to cause more infrastructure issues. So I would have personally liked to have seen that not be passed and a 1% 15 year or 17 year loan for multi-use construction be started. So we really need to see more mixed use. I think you're right. I mean, it, and that's across the board in any property that is single use, right? Because no matter what you want to do, you're going to have to travel somewhere else, right? I mean, whether that's a shopping center, we're seeing a lot of shopping centers get converted from just commercial to, you know, maybe there's some apartments above the, the structures um, to, you know, apartment buildings that have cafes and restaurants and bars and, uh, you know, retail shops on the ground floor. It just makes so much sense. And it's a great amenity for whoever your your target market is going to be. If you're, you know, a commercial real estate developer and you've got apartments that you're building above the, the, the commercial side, which is really what you care about most, well, now you can probably command higher rents because you've got a built-in audience for the retailers or for whoever is in that commercial space. And Absolutely. vice versa, if you're, if you're a, a housing developer or an apartment developer and you have some commercial space on site, that is an amenity for your, your buyers or your renters, and it's going to make your spot so much more desirable than the other you know, 30,000 30, uh, you know, apartment units that are around that have nothing else to them. So Absolutely. I think that makes a big difference. I mean, I, I listen, I've moved from one side of Lenore City, Tennessee to the other side of Lenore City, Tennessee. So the house that I currently own, which you can see my backyard back here, where I'm at currently is two miles away from my other house. In that two mile span, I have completely changed from Walgreens to CVS, from Ingalls to Food City, from Calhoun's Restaurant to Aubrey's, because that's what's closest to me now. So I'm literally within a half mile of these amenities versus what I was when I lived on that side of town. Wherever it is the most convenient for me to be is what I am going to frequent because it's just there for me to frequent. So building that inside of a community, you can guarantee that those business will succeed, which is also a bonus for business owners because as we know, most businesses close within three years because they don't succeed. They don't make a net profit. So if you can guarantee a base of people to come buy your coffee or your bread or your bakery or whatever it is that you have for this community, that's a win-win. You're, you're supporting the localness. You're supporting a family. You are supporting each other. You are taking um, transportation off of the roads. It's, it just, it makes more, it's totally common sense. So we, we touched on zoning earlier, and I think that this will be a great one to close it out on. How do we get people to go from nimbyism, the the nose in my backyard, to yimbyism? Yes, you know, yes, we need the higher density. Yes, we need the mixed use. You know, yes, this will help us. How do you how do you recommend? Uh, you know, because we've got other developers, other investors that listen to this podcast. How can they go about? Uh, you know, working with the community to get this higher density uh, to get these zoning changes. I have I have three answers to that. I'm going to give three answers. The Julia Hurley way is get your politicians to do their job, right? Stop being emotional. 
look at the best use for your entire area. Your job as an elected official is to do what is best for the area that you represent, not emotionally make yourself reelectable. Your job as an elected official is to do the job for who you represent. And that is what is best for the community as a whole for its future, right? So let's get these politicians off their asses and doing the right thing. That's number one. Number two, go about it a little bit more politically make those connections understand that if you're an out-of-state investor you've automatically come in waving a red flag you're you're out of state you don't know you're not from here you're going to destroy our local way of life hold a local town hall go to the local churches go to the local mayor and say i want to hold a ta- host a town hall i want to talk to the local leaders i want to make this public i want to put it on a facebook event or an instagram event i want to be involved i want you to know who i am i want you to know why i'm here I want public feedback. I want you to be part of this with me. I want the community here. It takes longer to get that done, but you will get it done. And the third way to do that is lobbyists. Obviously the state of Tennessee has a lot of lobbyists and a lot of elected officials and a lot of people who have a lot of interest in what's going on and maybe not the expertise. There's very few business owners or real estate agents as elected officials. They don't know it, they don't understand it. They also don't understand zoning regulations. That's not their expertise. That's not why they're here. So taking that as far as you need to take it to the state of Tennessee, to Nashville, and talking to lobbyists, talking to other realtors to come in and have conversations about tax bases, talking to um, financial planners as a corporation and saying, hey, financially, this is where we can win. This is what we can do. This is what we can offer. We're willing to take the heat and we're willing to dig the trenches and we'll take that debt as a developer if we can work with you to get these zoning regulations passed. Like what can we do to give back to the community so you know we're not here just for us? So until until the communities feel like you're local, they're just not going to be on board. So you've got to get that feeling out there. I think that's great. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about local politics is that, it, you know, compared to national politics, your voice can be heard and you can actually make an impact. So take advantage of that opportunity. Julie Hurley, thank you so much for coming on the show. If any of the listeners want to get a hold of you, talk about residential in Knoxville, get your book, check out your TikTok, where can they find you? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a lot of links. So TikTok is the Julia Hurley. Uh, so is Instagram. And then my personal website is justhomesgroup.com for the real estate side. You can just Google me, Julia Hurley, and all my information is there. I don't want to overwhelm you with links, but I will give you my personal cell phone number because it's out there and you can text me anytime at 865-237-7328. Go balls. <laughs> Love it. Julia, thank you so much. Listeners, uh, thank you all for listening today. Let me know if you have any questions or comments. Would love to hear your thoughts on residential and commercial real estate and the future of mixed-use development within our cities, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, brought to you by Hamilton, your resource for passive real estate investment opportunities. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com to start building your passive real estate portfolio today.